Looking for work? Better pay? Better work environment? We can help. Call Kelly Jobs today at 502-425-7131 to speak with a recruiter today. Score a better job with us. Call 502-425-7131 or visit kellyjobs.com. That's kellyjobs.com. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. For the drive with Mark Ennis, presented by Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis and Tyler Griever. Welcome back. Welcome into the drive on Night in the Ville. I'm having the kind of day. I'm enjoying um, March basketball so much, Tyler, that I saw uh, a. Do you want the, the day big, off? Do you the just big want 12, I'll take why, it. The, the Big 12 with a nail sticking up out of the floor today. Why? I haven't even seen that. That's and someone had to come out and hammer it back into place. And <laughs> I just I just watched a Florida player airball a dunk yeah. uh, a second ago. Oh, that's uh, good. But they did recover and get uh, the offensive rebound and hit a three. But uh, it's, it's that kind of day. We're having a, we had a buzzer beater that got waved off because it was like a tenth of a second after the buzzer in the Big East tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even without Louisville, man, this is such a good time of year. No. Oh, it's great. I mean, I'm watching Duke play the the Fighting Jeff Greers right now at the ACC tournament. The good old Pitt Panthers. Uh, I guess that's a pretty cool storyline with Capel too going up against Duke. Um, and Duke's up 22 to 11 with like midway through the first half. But no, it's, and it's Florida great. just tied it with Mississippi State on a three with 36 seconds to go. So that game's tied at 57. And what could only be described, Tyler, as a rock fight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these teams can't shoot. Yeah, they can't shoot. They do everything else really hard, relentlessly. They can't shoot for nothing. Yeah, it's it is what it is. Like uh, I, I just love a time of the year, any time of the year, when we have wall to wall like games to watch. Like even if it's a game that you were just not even interested in watching, you can just have something to put on and just be like, yeah, all right, I'll put it on in the background. And then those are the games that more often than not turn into the ones that like you're somehow invested in by the end of it like honestly i i don't have much interest in florida and mississippi state but for what you just described to me but yeah i'd probably turn that on just for the heck of it that, that's exactly look oh just to add to like the the uh, the insanity of today michigan in their loss today uh, made one shot from the field in 19 minutes in the second half uh, in their their loss uh, today in the Big Ten tournament, so uh, high level stuff, Tyler, everywhere. But when you get two teams who are doing it like this together, it's still a pretty exciting game, even if it's bad. Yeah, no, I mean, bad basketball is better than no basketball whatsoever. Yep. It, so it I'll can take still that. be exciting. I think the big takeaway for me at times like this is I would love to find a way for there to. It's not feasible, I know, for there to be more daytime basketball you know like more basketball during the day uh, it, because i i could do this all day turn basketball games on at noon you know like thursdays and fridays or something just to have that i think that would be amazing i would i would absolutely love that i don't i don't want some some matinee hoops at all florida it's fine and me. mississippi state going to overtime now oh wow i wonder what kind of crowd there is in nashville for like that matchup of all uh, matchups. <laughs> well, all the Kentucky and Tennessee fans are there. so Just because they're crowd. just like, yeah, we might as well go yeah. watch. <laughs> and that is, by the way, one of the more fun things about tournament basketball, yeah. be it conference tournaments or the NCAA tournament, is to get the, uh, the unaffiliated crowd picking a side. And I think usually, unless there's like an, you know, an established kind of rivalry angle to it, you normally get crowds in these places, and they kind of decide when they get there vibes we'll see who we like who we're rooting for especially if there's not an obvious kind of uh david goliath kind of thing going on there yeah just kind of get to decide it's fun i i love i just love this time of year we have 
We've got to figure out a way to get Louisville back into this stuff. <laughs> I just I can't stand just watching it. I can't. Yeah, it's it's hard, and especially because uh, we've made this point so many times together. But the, this is a place that that lives and dies by it. That wants it worse than anywhere. That the exact thing you're describing, people are probably just trying to grasp at it with you know by putting random games on to, to try and feel better or maybe do some transfer portal scouting you know and trying to be like oh i kind of like that guy is he happy like you know that's uh, actually that's something i'm actually curious to hear which what you would think about this like when you is that more prevalent now for fans in general to to watch other games if like you're so frustrated with how your team played and obviously louisville's fan base fits into this and you know that there's going to be some a pretty big turnover. Do you have more incentive to watch some other games now in the conference tournament and in March Madness to like scout out guys who you think would make sense to bring into Louisville just to have a better grasp of that? I mean, I think fans can do that. Yeah, uh, I, I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if that is something that has you know, turns out to be a trend uh, here in the future. I would definitely say, uh, in terms of scouting. Especially if you are a team, you know, a program on kind of an annual basis that's going to feel like you are more uh, a taker than a giver mm-hmm. in this regard. That I, I would think for you know Kenny and the staff or, or Calipari and the staff or whatever. Going forward, there's either going to be a person or it's going to be part of the scout. Is to it be individually just at least taking notes or reserving clips. Yeah. Or or whatever. When you're doing your scout of your opponents, of guys who you think might fit. Yeah. You know. You know what I mean. And you got to go beyond that because I think you know. For instance, Louisville got really involved with Matt Cross after he torched Louisville, and he really didn't do much else uh, that year. He's doing all right this year. We can get into that uh, a little bit. But I definitely think like scouting players for the sake of playing against them and then possibly taking them is a thing, and it needs to be more of a thing going forward. I think it's a thing that the Jeff Walls won't ever just like publicly fully like admit it or whatever, but they've had so much success and and gotten so many players from within the ACC, and I, I don't think that is a coincidence because they face them so many times and they get to know them so well from scouting them that it it makes sense to me that those might be among your initial targets in any situation are the people you are most familiar with. Um, but it also ties back into something we've also discussed before, that new general manager type role in college athletics that is kind of just, I think it's starting. I don't want to say it's like a wave quite yet, but you see some of the upper echelon programs creating that position, um, whether it's, I believe, LSU football did it. Uh, Duke has one, correct? Duke basketball. Uh, John Shire and them, I think, have a a GM-type position now for the program, and I I wouldn't be surprised if more do it because I feel like you have to have a finger on the pulse of the portal at pretty much all times, even if it's just a a bookmark of, like, I think that guy's really good, and I kind of heard he might be a little unhappy. You know, that's something you take down, and you build a file on it, and when the time comes, you start – making the moves you need to make because I, I don't think any of this stuff it, it just doesn't happen out of thin air you know like the, these gets they have to be i think more often than not they are relationships that take a little bit to build and then they finally come to fruition i think you're right about every bit of that uh and i think that what we've really probably got to start doing mentally is thinking about and talking about the roster and the program and everything in terms of not merely recruiting, but in terms of just player acquisition, mm-hmm. especially because the numbers all indicate, and this will, I think this will certainly be true of Louisville this year too, that more and more of the, like the high major programs are recruiting fewer high school guys. Oh, I 100% think that's happening. Yep. And, and so when we talk about recruiting in the normal sense, like there's very few programs that are just going to, be limited to that or even primarily to that i wouldn't be surprised if like stasis is that it's kind of 50 50 from now on and and honestly you'd be a fool not to if you could 
get somebody that's more of a known quantity instead of taking your chances on on guys. Now, sometimes guys that you take a chance on work out and work out well. Right. But a lot of times they're Mott's Stockman and you know people you know just guys who were you took a chance on them not much really developed but that's a scholarship that was on the books for like three years and you didn't need to do that uh and i just don't think you will anymore and of course that will be true uh, mississippi state just threw down the most unbelievable uh <laughs> holy cow uh they're up five in overtime uh, now wow that was that was something uh that's what's that's what's gonna be happening and that's louisville louisville's hitting the hitting there right now and i I don't know how you have felt about this, but like we're already in next year here. Yeah. And I I like what I'm hearing about where they are in terms of player acquisition now. And I feel like I don't care what you think about him uh, or the job he's doing as the coach, and we're not going to shy away from talking about that. But he's – if this plays out like it's been rumored to play out here, I would think this would – the best thing he could do here is is have this run that it looks like they might be on the precipice of in terms of recruiting. Oh, it's the number one thing that he can do to fan any fire that comes or a massive fire really from a four and twenty eight season. It's the only response that is feasible right now in this day because obviously the the response anybody needs is yeah turn the record around win more. Well, obviously we're not gonna come anywhere near that for a long time here or seeing it come to fruition so the best way to respond to any of this is to go out and get the talent that you have spoke to missing in this past year and showing early returns on like all right who's going to fill that for next if it was such a problem this year then who's filling it for for next year uh and obviously everybody sees the the dennis evans uh connection and there's already been a lot of predictions from various recruiting folks that he's going to end up at Louisville. You and I have spoken at length before about how we think that not even just removing the name Dennis Evans from it for a second and the rating or whatever. Louisville needs somebody who is a better defender as a big man. Somebody who is a presence who imposes, who makes you think twice about going into the lane. Obviously this kid's athleticism and his length, while it's not a guarantee, it would lend itself well to playing that type of role that's a good start to get to for next year yeah i I think you're exactly right and i think between getting involved with it and i think closing that deal and i wouldn't be surprised by the way if that gets done quick he's going to visit this weekend i i I feel confident about where louisville is but if the rumored kind of run here is that you're going to get evans and then trenton flowers who is rumored to at least be considering reclassifying too, if I tell you that you're going to bring back a core of guys who's maybe four or five guys at most, but add Dennis Evans, for the sake of this conversation, just I'm talking just sign easier, Evans, Flowers if he reclassifies, and Killer Glenn. Like in most years, that's a great group of guys to add to a roster that we'd be happy about in any year. Yeah, it's a good start. And I 100%, you know, there's a part of this conversation of evaluating uh, who actually is likely to to come back and who does the staff want back from the current roster. And uh, I've been pretty consistent in identifying, like, the the possibilities of that or the ones that people would be most open to, whether that be fans, coaches, whatever, is a group of maybe not even four. It might even be five. I'll counted as i go but between l ellis mike james kamari lands jj trainer um emmanuel Corfor, and huntley hatfield i guess that's technically what six uh off the top of my head of, of names that are going to come in that were on this year's roster uh that's a group that if you add some some pieces to you you feel like you should have some hope or optimism about it at least uh now we don't know if all those guys are coming back, if they're going to be, or what the situation is, but uh, it's something to, to work with. Oh, I think it's a great start uh, with those guys. And then I think what you've got to do then is you've got to season and kind of temper and, and holistically kind of finish off the roster with guys who are, who are more experienced, who can help you right away. Because for as much as we're talking about some really talented kids, and I think a, a high school core of, 
of Evans and Caleb Glenn and, and Flowers if he reclassifies, if that really happens. Like, that's great. But college basketball has kind of evolved again into an era where, like, the true freshmen just are not big factors like they used to be unless they're once-in-a-generation kinds of kids. Right. Uh, you know, the, the Brandon Miller stands out. Filipowski stands out. There just there aren't tons of those out there. Right. You, you've got to be older, smarter, and more impactful right away. Uh, and that's going to be the job to add to those guys. But in terms of recruiting, it, do you think if we're talking about getting this done here, what's what's more of a factor here? Because I'm not sure, and it might take time for it to play out before I think I really know what the answer is. But is this more about Kenny uh, being persuaded or getting to a different place mentally and, and emotionally about NIL? which is clearly going to be a factor here, and, and, and I think it is. Or is this more or some sort of validation for the notion that the quote-unquote cloud that, that was there last year, one year ago at this time when he was hired and needed to fill out a roster, isn't here and that they're able to, to have, I think, be able to swing a, a little bit bigger stick? I think, as with most things, it's, it's a little bit of both here, right? Uh, I, I never interpreted Kenny to be against nil like i don't i don't think it was an anti nil stance i thought the messaging he used initially just wasn't the most open he could be to it like it it wasn't it wasn't as receptive as it needed to be in this day and age uh especially when we've seen how it is it has changed college athletics for the good again i'm too often this conversation gets framed as like nil is like a bad thing no not at all not on this show that's not what we do and i i think it was a great needed development for college athletics and it needs to keep developing and getting better um the other half of that of course is yeah look the the cloud took on this whole monster of its own like this this year because i feel like this happens a lot something that has some validity to it as a point no matter what discussion you're having it it eventually like snowballs into becoming this overhanging thing that like it becomes the entire reason where it's like i I don't know if it's the entire reason like yes it it is part of the reasoning for sure um because if anybody's in the portal and and you are quote-unquote one of the the higher profile guys then yeah, if you're fearing the postseason ban that that many around here thought was going to happen, then yeah, you're not going to come. Like, oh, why would you? I get that. I totally understand that. Uh, but I, I think the challenge for Kenny this year in the portal is something he has to consider of what he didn't do a great job of this year. Was like, okay, if you miss on the first couple of targets on your board whoever that may be in the portal, you have to be able to adjust your standard or expectation for guys who can still help you. Like, who guys who can come in and, and understand like what role they are going to have on the team and, and why and where they are going to fit. Does that make sense? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't always have to be the top guy on the transfer portal board. Like, if you miss on that guy, there's got to be like a backup plan of some sort and while i realize that you weren't probably allotted the time that others did have when you first got the job because you're coming from a the nba back to college basketball you don't have the prior relationships in that way i still think he could have been quicker in identifying like ready-made solutions so you did not have to go through what you went through this year in, in keeping with the, just the ridiculousness of today, which I'm thoroughly both enjoying and leaning into, yeah. uh, a Florida player try, attempting for an and one that would tie the game uh, was fouled and landed a wedgie. It stuck between the rim and the backboard. I've never seen that. Uh, like running towards it and just somehow rammed it in there. <laughs> and it didn't go. And as we're talking, I get a text from Freddie Maggard with a story saying that Brian Van Gorder has been added to some Alabama high school's football coaching staff. What in the? <laughs> what a day. This day just keeps getting better, man. Brian freaking Van Gorder. What a disaster. Jeez. That's ridiculous. But, but yeah, that's, that's the point I come back to about um, – 
what I think was was something we've done a good job of talking about this year. I think you've pointed it out many times was the the roster construction and the view of it at the beginning of the season. That was the first miss that couldn't really be like once that happened. I think it set you back further than you realized when you got into the season because it turns into a situation of yeah, this guy's clearly not living up to expectations, but now I I don't have anybody to turn to here. I don't have much of an alternative to go to here. Um, And some of that's also indicative of coaching and like how much you believe in yourself to be able to get guys to buy in. And and even after years of, you know, the the things that some of these guys went through under previous staffs and such. Um, But, but that miss was really, really hard to overcome. So, so what have you learned from that going into this off season? I think is very key. Well, and that's a great place to start talking about what the value of this year was. I know you and I a million times have talked about uh, the fact that just pushing it all off on the players and, and, you know, and stating, you know, look, I'm going to turn the roster over and then everything will be fine kind of diminishes whatever it is that we were supposed to have gotten out of this year by, by learning from what's, you know, or building something. Yeah. But I do think those places where Kenny can start showing some growth, some development, some uh, you know, changing up what he's doing and how he's doing it in light of how year one went, any just about any time where, he, where we can see him growing as the head coach of a program, I'm warming up to the idea that he didn't even really know what he didn't know and was pretty wide-eyed becoming the head coach. And I think he just kind of got dog-walked a little bit early on, and then it was too late to fix it. And to the extent that we're reaching this offseason, I think he's got a lot more clear eyes about what he needs to do, what he wants to do, what he'd prefer to do, and how to do it. It's, it's good, and I would think fans would draw some encouragement from that. Yeah, I, I think there's room to there's room to work there. Like, at, at a baseline level the effort issues that were prevalent really throughout the year that that suggests to any casual observer watching that like wow there seems to be a, a misunderstanding or a disconnect here about what's really expected or at, at just a basic level to succeed at this level or screw that not even succeed let's just go compete because there were way 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 too many results that just did not look up to even a, a power five standard of just competing because and, and I think one takeaway I had and I, I'm still a little surprised by this and I've said it before it's like you went through the toughest stretch of the schedule towards the end of the year making tangible improvements like people noticing that okay you guys are are fighting this out like you're, you're getting after it a bit and then the bottom fell out for like after the Duke game in Cameron, it fell out after that. I don't, yeah. know, I don't know what changed. I don't know what something just didn't add up in all of that. And I, I don't know if it's fair to wonder if it's like, look, if everybody just kind of arrived at a point of like, this is close to over and we all know this is getting turned over. So that's what you have to be pretty blunt about now in your offseason discussions is the plan in place who to go after who's coming back all of that stuff has to be pretty clearly laid out now because you have to now push on what is unacceptable from what you saw this season like there cannot be much room for understanding that and or trying to like parse through that going in the next year because that that margin for error that you might have had if this year had gone better you don't really have that going into year two when you go four and 28 i said this uh yesterday and i i still believe it's true but i'm kind of curious what you think about it there's that the old kind of rebuild adage that like a coach takes over and things actually get a little bit worse because he's you know tearing this house down to the studs Mm -hmm. we're going to build it up little by little and there's the old coaching thing like first you lose big then you lose close then you win close then you win big if like that's how it goes and my thinking is there if you can't you don't get the same runway you don't get the same leash 
when you have a year that was this bad. Of course not. No, and you can't. It's like for me, I I feel like they have to skip the lose close phase next year. Oh, I. They, I think they've so. got to go from from this to winning more than they lose regularly starting next year. Like if if it really was so many circumstantial things and things that are changeable and not not nearly as much a reflection on coaches not doing a great job with with their part, then it's then heavily turning the roster over in a way that gives us confidence you're going to be able to get players on a regular basis has got to result in skipping that step to right to winning close. Yeah, I think it, it's got to turn into challenging for the tournament next year, being in that conversation. Uh, again, th- this entire talk changes by the caliber of guys you can get. Like If Louisville gets some pretty damn good players in the portal somehow, then yeah, your expectations are going to adjust here, no matter what it is. Um, but I think you... This season going as badly as it did makes you skip over just like an incremental improvement. No, it has to be like a pretty big jump. Because... Now, when you remove the the factors that you claim are have been the issues and, and you, you've kind of cleaned the closet out, so to speak, all that's left here is you, your staff, unless there's a staff change coming, which from the comments the other day, it doesn't sound like there's any staff yeah, changes coming. Um, you, all that's left are, are those guys and if you keep anybody over from the roster. So, just from a very blunt standpoint, there's nowhere else to turn next year when the results, if, if they don't go your way, then you can't just really deflect too much at other areas. And I don't say deflect in a way of, like, there's not some validity behind it, because as I've said a million times here, you don't go 4-28 and 28 with one party not holding their end of the bargain. It's everybody, at a basic level, screwed up somewhere. Screwed up different things, but everybody screwed up to some degree, and that's how you get there. Um, so it's it's definitely a different accountability level that I think has to be accepted and reached going into next year. All right, let's go ahead and take a quick break here. Uh, when we come back, we'll continue on that discussion, in particular about the about the coaching staff. I don't want to necessarily play the sound again right now, but just have a discussion about it and one factor that might change Kenny's mind or, or might cause him to at least think about it and, and i want to talk to you about that we'll talk with elliot as well at uh, 345 or so here in hour number one of the drive on i thin the bill right back metro college is a program that helps students pay for tuition and i didn't believe it you have to work third shift five days a week it's a great and rewarding thing when you graduate i would do it all over again just like i just did You know those buddies who magically become medical professionals when you're not at the top of your game? The ones who say, Come on, muscle through it. But then also say, Hey, you should probably see my specialist. Or surgery or pain meds. It's almost always false, false, and false. Athletico's physical therapists, the same therapists who work with professional athletes, can tackle those little aches and pains from the start, before they become big ones. So next time, don't believe everything you hear. Instead, start with Athletico. Schedule your free assessment at athletico.com. You're listening to The Drive, presented by Fitness Market, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now, here's Mark Ennis and Tyler Griever. Welcome back into The Drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Tyler Griever will be joined by Elliot Mattingly here in just a couple of minutes. I know you referred to Pitt earlier, guys, the uh, the fighting Jeff Greers. They are not doing a whole lot of fighting. No, they're not. Uh, Right now, they are getting skunked uh, by Duke. You know, Duke is uh, this is one of those teams we don't you know we don't know about Shire in terms of getting a team ready for the postseason and that sort of thing. He's never done it. We've never seen him do it. But I've always had a category of team in my head that goes one of two ways, and that's a really good collection of players who never puts it together really during the year, 
But come tournament time, they, they very forcefully go one of two ways. And you either get a team that absolutely figures out exactly what they are, and then they're a complete bear to deal with at the at the very last minute. North Carolina last year, or Louisville in 2012, uh, or uh, gosh, the UConn. UConn is what 2014. Uh, UConn in 2014. Teams like that, they just sort of sputtered around, or they're just done. Yeah. Come tournament time, they're out in the first freaking round, and this Duke team's starting to look like one of those. One of the, the, the yeah, they, they look like they've they figured it out, so to speak. Uh, I, I remember it. You know, one point in the season, we were we were having a pretty honest talk about just how all of the different blue bloods around the sport, minus Kansas, were were just in a weird spot. Like Duke and UNC had young head coaches replacing legends. Who, you know, I know Hubert had the year last year, obviously a great debut season, but they took a big step back this year. Uh, Duke struggled for a while under Shire and have seemingly turned it around. Uh, we were talking about Kentucky and the various stories with John Calipari. I, a lot of that, I think, remains to be seen in the tournament, but at least they are going to be in the tournament and have improved uh, since a couple of just inexplicable losses to, to South Carolina and the Georgia. Um, but now Duke looks a little more dangerous going into the NCAA tournament. And Pitt looks like a team that is not used to being here. And yeah. There are, you know, I I truly believe this. I don't believe it's true of every coach. I'm not. I don't think that every single coach has a postseason identity necessarily. But I do think it's true that there are some coaches who are just good at tournament life, or who are bad at tournament life. Yeah. And, and sometimes these guys who just haven't done it or haven't done it very much, it's pretty obvious. When you watch him uh, play sometimes, I think Jeff Walls is the is the former. I think he's extremely good at it, and I think wherever they end up getting seated, that the one seed in that region, if Louisville's the five, is going to be pissed. Yeah, it, it's one of those things where you have to be able, I think, to turn a turn a scout around on a quick basis and be able to formulate your plan in a much quicker amount of time as a coaching staff when it gets to tournament play. Uh, if you're one of those who needs a couple. Uh, needs a little bit of extra time on the scout or maybe isn't grasping it the first time around so much it's it's that much harder because you just don't have the time to fully dive into things um and using jeff as an example uh he's always made it pretty clear like every coach the scout is important but if you've ever drilled jeff on just how detailed and important their scout is and how much they adhere to it, it it's that much more clear how important it is to, to him and the staff, especially when it comes to uh, the defense they play and they want to play. Um, so all that gets cranked up come tournament time. Uh, I, since you mentioned, by the way, the uh, the fight in Jeff Greer's, I did want to uh, give a shout-out to one Jeff Greer who uh, is going to be pausing uh, the newsletter for the time being. Yep. Uh, and I know a number of you got that in your inboxes this morning. I knew that was coming. Uh, I saw some jokes earlier today uh, from folks about, like, in the last couple of weeks, the season's gone so badly that both Brett Dawson and Jeff Greer are just like, ah, screw it. I'm done. <laughs> but uh, I think both are in very different places. But I yeah. uh, hate to see both those guys go. Uh, two people I really like uh, a lot personally and I think of the world of their work. Uh, yeah. and I, hopefully, uh, the uh, the voices rebound around here when, when the program itself rebounds around here as well. Well, I'll take a minute on that just to – I want to – like that – and I saw you shared that, that the courier is look huh. for a columnist after laying Tim Sullivan off. Uh, what was that? Was that a year ago? What was the timeline? I think it, maybe not even. Yeah. And, and as someone who I believe I've, I've made it pretty clear that I take a lot of pride in, in being a part of this market. I think it's a very unique market. I think it's a special one to work in and uh, obviously recognize how much you all care it's it's saddening to me to see first of all no matter what you think about tim you know tim asks some questions that really do need to be asked and i think it takes a certain level of of comfort in that uncomfortable setting to be able to do it and it's it's not easy and he was also someone who had some skin in the game he had been around a, a while i think it's valuable to have a voice like that um, Jeff and Brett are two guys who, even outside of their 
familiarity with Louisville have a lot of professional experience at other places that help inform context, questions, and overall coverage. But the thing about that is, is that there's a value attached to those things. Um, and you cannot uphold that value or standard that's needed in a place like this, that value sports the way it does, without properly compensating and or meeting the needs of those individuals. Uh, so I, I hope people recognize that and know that all of those guys are maybe are doing something different but I, I'm not going to speak for him in any way here, but I don't think it had to be that way, if that makes sense. I think it, it's it's a systemic issue that so many people have gotten out in recent years, and it, it's just got to be better as a well, whole. And there's, there's, a, there's a level of insult at laying off somebody like Tim and then posting a job posting for the job Tim's doing. It's, exactly. Uh, it's, yeah, there, there's an insult in that, and I don't think anyone is wrong for... for taking it uh, that way and look you you get the coverage you pay for be in our businesses uh, or that one or any other yeah it's i think it's clear as day how much people value good sports coverage in this town uh, i see it every day from every individual that interacts w- with me whether it's on social media or out in uh walking the big four bridge one day like people recognize good effort and good work and uh that doesn't you know, the individuals got to keep doing it, but the people who employ the individuals as well have to recognize that it costs a little bit more to, to keep good people. And that's that's just the way of the business. Well, and I think it's fair to say, and I'm sure you have learned this. You may have already known it when you arrived, but you have learned it since that there's um, this is a market. This is a job uh, covering Louisville sports that is that requires, I think, an above the median level of uh sophistication yeah. and and willingness to pay attention to a lot of other factors that maybe don't matter in various college markets. I think that's fair to say, right? No, 100%. I, I think it's... You always have to know your audience, right? And, and the one thing that I, I always try to keep in mind, no matter what I say, report, whatever, is that I think this is a very informed audience for the most part. Yeah. I, I do not feel like I am like... This is going to be a pun in a way, but I don't feel like I'm breaking news to anybody in certain situations when we're all watching games and having some some takeaways from it. And I think if you're if you have an ability to have that genuine conversation with people, it it changes, you know, there's there's a respect factor there as a whole. And it's a shame to, to lose good people. And, it, you know, some people might hear that from, from me or others who, like, I guess we all technically are, like, competitors or whatever. It's like, I, I'm a huge believer in, I actually want the competitive scene as a whole to be good because I think it raises everybody's game, for lack of a better word. Like, you get better work out of a more competitive environment. All right. Well, we always talk uh, at this time with our guy, Elliot Mattingly, from Court Physical Therapy. And so he joins us uh, here now. Elliot, how's everything going for you, buddy? You doing all right? Doing very well. How are you guys? Doing great. Uh, doing great. I sent you, uh, I think we Elliot. I spoke too soon about the wind, though. So uh, we, we, we joked about the wind not blowing me away on Thursday. Okay. But... Um, Friday was a little different, so hopefully you guys didn't fare too badly, because I've got some friends and family in Louisville. I know they got hit a little bit harder than we did in Bardstown. Oh, it got ugly in places, uh, no question uh, about yeah. that. It's uh, it's it's going. That's what's going on uh, right now. Uh, Elliot, I pretty I much s- called that just like Giannis's ankle or his yeah, knee last year, so... <laughs> yeah, so I'm killing it. You know, that's, But at least this one, I'm, I have nothing to do with weather, so that's okay for me to be proud of that. Uh, Elliot, I sent you a video of uh, Kevin Durant warming up for uh, the Phoenix Suns going up just the, the, the most routine and rudimentary of baseline walk up to the rim was just going to kind of dunk it in pregame warmups, slips on a spot that's wet and rolls his ankle horribly. Uh, I've, I mean, it rolled it in the kind of the traditional way outward like that. But, it, I mean, it looked to me like his ankle almost touched the ground it was that bad yeah, it like doubled over yeah yeah they're calling it they're calling it a grade two sprain and that he's out four to six weeks this sounds 
really bad for just like your run of the mill, not the high ankle sprain, but it's like your run of the mill ankle sprain. Like how bad can it get? How how debilitating is this? What are they going to do for him now? You know, first off, like he's got to be extremely frustrated because if there's somebody like we, we have our people on the show that we've hit multiple times and just think about how many times we've talked about him with whether it's his Achilles, his MCL, like he's had just big injury after big injury and and so he's like, okay, I'm coming back. And that was probably like the least dramatic, dramatic injury I've ever seen. You know, there was nothing to it. It's like, you know, usually you see if somebody's ankle rolls that significantly, it's like somebody lands on a foot or, um, you know, it's kind of this awkward, awkward motion. Like he was barely moving, you know, and to cause that. So it's really he wasn't even full speed. Him. Yeah. No, no. Like he's got to be like he's probably more angry. So people on Twitter better watch out than he's, you know, than he's ever been. Um, so, you know, when we're talking about our grades, and I'm really, I'm really glad that they gave us some information. So good work on that. I asked you guys to get me more information last week. So I do appreciate you guys getting me actually a grade and an injury this week so we can talk about it. Uh, a, a grade two ankle sprain means that over 50, there's over a 50% tear in that ligament. So there's usually there's two or three different ligaments that, are, are are impacted with lateral ankle sprains or ankle sprains where you kind of roll outwards like that. And when you have a 50% tear, that's really more like 50 to 75% is a grade two. And a grade three means it's all the way torn. The grade two typically is more painful because a grade three, it's just a clean, it breaks, you know, it, it tears all the way through. You don't have any of these fibers that are kind of hanging on while the others are like trying to heal themselves, but you feel strong. So it's like this weird dynamic where it tends to be a little bit more painful and it's not very stable so that's why you know they do use this four to six week timeline and we talk about four to six weeks as a pretty traditional timeline for any soft tissue injury because that's when healing takes place now the the nice thing about ankle sprains is that typically after you get the swelling down and you work on mobility and building your strength you can kind of brace it and and get you out there uh, but I'm sure what they're going to do is just look at the standing, and if they're in a safe spot to get to the playoffs, then they're probably just going to continue to hold him out. That way he can be better coming back. Kevin Durant looks like he has incredibly skinny everything, but skinny legs and all this. Is there is there anything that any athlete can do to sort of to make – to preventatively sort of do something to train and, and have fewer of these or, or have an, uh, an ankle injury that, that just couldn't be that flimsy? You know, that's, that's a good question because that's what we deal with a lot. It's like we have somebody come in here with an ankle sprain. It's like, okay, good. Now I feel better. How do I not do this again? Because it's not a good feeling. They're gruesome injuries. They do recover well, but, like, they're painful. So when you think about his style of injury – those are the typically the ones that we feel like we can prevent. Now, the way that you do that in, in a few different ways. So when we have we talk about balance, and what balance is, it's when like the sensation of our feet tells our body to uh, to contract certain muscles and kind of right yourself, called proprioception. So you do that, and you have to retrain that. So like you're doing balance exercises with your eyes closed or on like an unstable surface or doing dynamic squats or something when your ankle's moving and all these really things to, to challenge it and put yourself in a chaotic or uncomfortable situation. And then you have to build your strength. And not only is it ankle strength, but we always talk about it, it's our hip strength and our abdominal strength. If you have poor abdominal strength and poor hip strength, you're at an increased risk for ankle sprains. And it seems funny because it seems far away, but you just know that that, that long lever is connected by that. It's a, it's a huge stabilizing piece for you. Now, if you do really well at all of that, then your likelihood is going to be decreased. It's not perfect or, you know, I mean, we would have figured it out by now. But the the kind that you can't prevent is like if you're a slasher and you're going in the lane, you land on somebody's foot, like there's not much you can do. You can do things, maybe, it, maybe it's a grade one versus a grade two or three, but those are just ones that are really hard to prevent. You know, but luckily for, for his game, he doesn't do a lot of that, you know. So he, he, should, he should be able to return and return safely uh, after this little stint of rehab. Is age much of a factor here? Because I know Kevin Durant doesn't necessarily look like old, but he is a, he's an older player. Uh, and, and LeBron and I guess Tom Brady sort of a warp 
uh, our our sense of like what a normal old player is and what's capable for them. But like, is yeah. is age much of a factor either in probability of an injury like this happening or uh, uh, how his recovery will go? You know, um, healing rates definitely do slow down as you age. You know, I think he's 34, so he's still going to heal just fine. Um, I think the thing that he's got going against him is just it ends up becoming your injury history, your injury story, versus just your singular injury. You know, so now he's recovering from this right knee issue and his left ankle. So it's just a little bit different. Like if it's just you never sprained your ankle before, you sprain it, it's probably going to be really bad, and then it'll get better quickly where he's had multiple things go on, so his body's just going to take a little bit to recover. Uh, so, I, once again, I think that's why they put such a – it's really a realistic timeline on there because, like, if this was, you know, a rookie coming out who's never hurt himself before, they might say a couple weeks and then be day-to-day. You know, so it's, it's it, it definitely does impact it a little bit, but I think his injury history more so than his age are the factor. All right, Elliot, I wanted to play something for you. Avery, do we have that handy uh, there? Uh, This is the Yankees general manager, Brian Cashman, talking about a pitcher with an injury, and he describes a muscle in a certain way, and I want to know if you can tell what he's talking about in what he says. Can you play that real quick? Yeah, no, yeah, the MRI was yesterday. Yeah, but I, we didn't get the reading until this morning. So. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just a mild strain of that that muscle that sounds like a dinosaur um, uh, on the outer portion of the left elbow. So it's a, it's a muscle. Yeah. All right, so he said that muscle that sounds like a dinosaur is the problem in said pitcher's elbow. Do you know what he's talking about there? Oh, gosh. Um so there, there's like, you know, you have a one called your brachioradialis. I don't know what yeah, that sounds. That's it. That's the one. Is, is, is that the one? Okay. That's the one. Um, well done. And that's also known as the, the beer drinking muscle. If you, if you ever, like, drink a beer and you see your arm flexed <laughs> up. So um, if, if you if you want to know, and that is not court so Mike Braze is like, like <laughs> Brutus or whatever, right? Yeah, I got you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Now, that would be my guess, though. Um, it's funny, yeah. It sounds like it does, I guess it does sound like a dinosaur. Never thought it of does it when you say, yeah, like the Latin name for a dinosaur or something. It absolutely does. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to test you with that one. Last one, really quickly, Elliot. Uh, Luka Doncic has been complaining of thigh pain, and he cannot remember. He does not remember it being the result of anywhere where he got hit, not a knee to the thigh or ran into something or fell or collision or anything. He just says it hurts, and then it hurts more and it hurts more. He finally did an MRI. There's nothing major with it, but is there is there such a thing as like a lingering, uh, kind of a chronic thigh pain injury? Yeah, you know, so typically when I see this, it's like it, it, it seems like it should be a thigh problem, but there was no injury to the thigh. It doesn't sound like a thigh injury. So it's probably not. So what happens is you, you got to look up a little bit higher. And if you have um, one of our quad muscles, actually is a, it's a hip flexor too. And, and when our hip flexors are involved, that also can bring on some issues with our low back. So if our lumbar spine has some issues, the nerves, like our, our femoral nerve comes from our, our lumbar spine. And if that is involved at all, that could create this tightness and this aching and this pain that can be lingering. And you could stretch your thigh as much as you want to, but it's not going to fix it. You have to go to the source of the problem. So I always tell people it's like if you have uh, if, if like a headlight. I had, I had a taillight actually growing up in my car that would go out all the time. And I changed it three or four times, but it, it would work for a little bit, but it kept going out. So at that point, it's not a taillight problem. It was an electrical problem. So for him, if he's going through and he's treating his quad over and over and over again and it keeps coming back, guess what? It's not a quad problem. It's probably a low back problem or a nervous system problem. So that would be my guess, and, and I would really dig into that. And, and usually when you find the problem, it's quick to fix. But most of the time, people spend a lot of effort treating the symptom and not the problem. Well, Elliot, if folks want to find out how they uh, can get to you there at course so that you guys can fix the problem and not just the symptoms, where do they go? There you go. Uh, give us a call at 1-800-645-COURT. Check us out at court.com. We'd love to help you out. All right, Elliot. We'll talk to you again next week, buddy. Thanks so much. Thank you all. Bye-bye. All right. Good stuff uh, from him. I knew he would know the answer to that one. I knew he would know the muscle that sounds like a dinosaur. Listen, that man is prepared for anything on this show. I, w- I will say that. He is prepared for any 
any question that we might throw at him, and I, I respect him for it. Cause did we, you see the Kevin Durant ankle roll? I did. Yeah, it's gross. It sucks, man. I hate seeing something like that. Just I, I don't know all the particulars of it. I really don't. Um, but man, just a guy that talented and literally just you just acquired him for goodness sakes. Ugh, it sucks. And you've not been able to, you've not been able to keep the guy on the floor. Yeah, it's. It's frankly just really unfortunate. So I hope it's not like I don't. Uh, do they have like an official diagnosis out on that yet? They said it, uh, with with uh, him, it is a grade two ankle sprain. Okay, which you just heard Elliot say it means it's more torn than not, and that Ugh. he's out for the rest of the regular season. Oh my! I mean, goodness it was gracious. it was gross. It was bad. I mean, you got to yeah. imagine for anybody that's tall, but especially a guy like him, ankles do a lot of work. Yeah, that's. I, I don't have much else besides that. That just sucks. Like, nobody wants to see that from for anybody. But more importantly, you know, one of the best players in the league, the best, one of the best scorers we'll ever see, and hopefully he can get some recovery before the playoffs start. Because I would, I really want to see him at, at full strength with the rest of that Phoenix team. Oh, me too. Me too. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to. I'm looking forward to the playoffs uh, this year, especially on the East. You know, we haven't talked about Donovan Mitchell and Cleveland almost at all. It's yeah. going really well. It's going yeah, extremely well. And I'm looking forward to it, man. I can't. I, they're going to be competitive in that conference, and it's going to be a, a real opportunity for him for for him to have some real help in the playoffs. I'm looking forward to that. All right, we're going to come back here turn our attention back to Louisville uh, and sort of the, some of the latest goings on here as we have entered uh, the postseason, at least around here. On the drive and I Thunderbolt. Right back. better work environment we can help call kelly jobs today at 502-425-7131 to speak with a recruiter today score a better job with us call 502-425-7131 or visit kellyjobs.com that's kellyjobs.com tired of jumping from job to job how about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment the pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. 